Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled, How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Ludmila Praslova, who is Director of Program Professor at Vanguard University of Southern California in Graduate Organizational Psychology. Hi, Ludmila. Lovely to have you here. Thank you so much, Lila. I look forward to talking to you. So let's start off with a quick introduction and an answer to the question of the whole podcast, which is, how do you do it and why should I care? Well, so you kind of read my long title already, and um, I can have affiliation with an industry, which is industrial organizational psychology, but then obviously what I do now is mostly teaching. However, there's also specialty, which is diversity and inclusion. And um, if you think about careers in many professions, you can start with different ratios of what you do. You can there's practice, there's teaching, there's research, and um, uh, publishing. So there's a variety of things that you can do in any profession. So I started with doing mostly practice. I was a director of intercultural relations. So I started in global diversity and I did that for about eight years. So that was mostly practicing in, uh, increasing inclusion in the workplace and specifically in an international context. And then I kind of started teaching on the side and uh, doing more and more research. And then I moved into teaching full time and then doing partially writing and then doing a little bit of practice and consulting on the side. So I've been doing what I've been doing for almost 30 years, but it's been different proportions portions of uh, practice versus research versus uh, teaching. Awesome. So I guess my next question would be, uh, I'm really keen to sort of hone in on your teaching career. So what inspired you to be a teacher and now a professor? Um, Honestly, I think I was doomed. I didn't have a choice. Uh, But the, the family joke is that my mother was a typist. So my grandmother was illiterate. My parents uh, like had technical degrees, but my mother was a typist, and when she was pregnant with me, she was typing up people's dissertations. Wow. So, so I was doomed. <laughs> but literally, I did not know what graduate school was. So people actually always told me I needed to be a teacher, and I said, no way. Could not see myself working with kids, but it was my only idea of teaching. Mm. So I said, no, for years, don't like push me in that direction. There's absolutely no way. But then I um, started doing more and uh, finally discovered what graduate school was and uh, what teaching was. And when I started teaching adults, that, that just clicked. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is the most fun a person can have. So it was about okay. 25 at that time when mm. I started teaching adults. And it was and it was adult by adults. I mean, people in their 60s and 50s, because it was um, an intensive for people who have been for years in leadership. And now they wanted to do the theory and research in addition to their experience. So I was 25 and those guys were 65. So that yeah, was fun. how was that? Was it not intimidating? 
I was a little bit intimidating, but I just kind of told myself that I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm just going to give them what I do know. Mm. And it worked out okay. So that kind of took care of fear of teaching. And uh, so I started doing it more and more. And then also kind of more traditional college students as well. And uh, so then it was just okay. Um I think I'm hitting my ceiling there without getting a PhD. So I need to get a PhD and uh, then you just proceed on with uh, working with different academic programs. I actually always meant to do a PhD, but then go back to practice. But while you are there in graduate school, sometimes your thinking changes. Yeah. And um, so I ended up getting academic jobs and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun but it's it definitely can be a wild ride as well yeah for sure and um obviously you mentioned that you know going back to school was one thing that you were very keen to do but what aside from you know your degree that you hold would be the best resources that helped you in your journey to becoming a professor and going into the teaching industry well, again, in my case, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. <laughs> Literally, nobody in my family could have given me any idea what I was doing. And uh, there were some professional associations, professional groups that were kind of of the more informal nature, would like chat groups and... Uh, special Facebook groups where you just have people from that occupation. That's what I found most useful because, again, I was a first-generation college student. I had no clue what I was doing. So, And the academics is not an issue. It's navigating all the -the behind-the-scenes things that uh, was really where I was lost. So a lot of the kind of informal behind the scenes knowledge that you don't even get from any official publications or even official conference presentations. You have to learn it from people who have been doing it and are actually willing to share. Mm, very, very true. Uh, your network is just initial learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Your network is probably the best to sort of leverage and to learn things about the industry before you even enter. So sort of following on from that, what were some lessons that you wish you would have known before becoming a professor? Oh, goodness. Well, there was really, really a lot of things. And um, again, it's a political aspect of academia and just navigating um, U.S. academic workplace because, like, when you say I, I was poor, I'm an immigrant, I I didn't know what I was doing in many different ways. Yeah. So it was really just knowing more about how to navigate it and just differences between systems in um, different countries as well because academia in Russia or in Europe or in the states are not the same. So mm-hmm. knowing all those internal things is really what can trip you up it's not really having the academic knowledge or skills it's the contextual knowledge that can really be the the make break it or make it Mm, for sure for sure and sort of thinking about that and lessons that you've learned while being a teacher what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it 
uh, because father was taking a wrong job once, <laughs> going against my gut. So mm. early in my career, I was uh, searching for a job, and you would you would consider it great success when you have three offers and you have to choose between them. Yeah. But it's also very stressful, and there are many different factors. And um, I chose wrong because in one place I really clicked with people, and I was just I started saying we during the interview. I really identified with them. Mm. And in another place, it was more like I really liked the place and the setting, but people would actually told me like don't take this job it's it's not good here we're not treated right Mm -hmm. and I just kind of ignored it Mm because I was just really looking at the wrong factors instead of feeling like okay I'm really clicking with people in the other place and Basically, what I learned from that is listen to my gut. Mm, And if you click with people and if you don't click with people, that's a deciding factor. For sure, for sure. I think, yeah, it's just as much as well as how you fit with the company as how much, you know, they would see you fit with them. You know, whenever you do interviews, I've got this advice to see, like, you know, it's an interview both ways. The company's interviewing you, but then you're also interviewing the company to see whether you'd fit in well. Right. And I just wasn't thinking like that at the same time. I was yeah. just super happy to find someone who is going to like me rather than also thinking, okay, I bring value and I have some power here in that decision making. Exactly, exactly. And so that's a really good piece of advice. And throughout this call, you've been giving really great pieces of advice. But I'm going to ask you, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is wanting to start a career in the teaching industry? Be realistic of what it's like and uh, why you're doing this because a lot of people have this very inaccurate idea. Oh, yeah, you get summers off and the workload is so light. You show up to class three times a week because that's only time when they saw their professors. And it's such an unrealistic picture of what it's like. So when I was in graduate school, my advisor said, yes, our jobs are wonderful. We get to pick which 80 hours a week we work. So that's what you need to think about. Not that you're going to have a ton of time and easy job, because if you want an easy job, pick something else. Mm, For sure, for sure. It's that passion that keeps you waking up every morning and going to work. So you must be doing it for the right reasons. Yes. Awesome. And then finally about your work, what is one common myth about being a teacher that you would like to debunk right here, right now? Oh, goodness. Well, I just mentioned the the common uh, myth that people just don't realize that usually you need to put in at least three hours of prep and grading for each hour in the classroom. But there is so much more beyond that. The research, the writing, the committees, the the running of... uh, uh, programs so it's it's much more than just one thing so sometimes people think well I'm really good on stage and I'm just going to so enjoy the classroom and then you get hit with the paperwork and you're going oh my gosh what have I done mm-hmm. or people really like research and uh, they say okay I'm going to spend most of my life just reading fantastic research and producing fantastic research and then they get hit with the classroom yeah. And uh, 
all those interpersonal dynamics. So you have to be prepared that, yes, there are different aspects where you can pick and choose and maybe focus on one, but the ability to do that is kind of limited. So usually you need to be able to do multiple very different things at least reasonably well in even in your weakest areas and uh, brilliantly in your strongest areas because nothing else is going to cut. Exactly. And you're such an interesting person. I'd love to find out more about you. So obviously you're very busy with being a professor and a director of a program, but what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Well, there, actually there's a couple of books that just came out last week that I really like. One is... Uh, I think it's something that every leader and every organiz- people in every organization should read is, uh, to be honest, by Ron Carucci. Mm. And the book is focused on how to create honest organizational cultures. So, yes, we need to be honest on the individual level, but also how organizations can be just honest and transparent. So I think it's just something that we all need to know, we all need to understand for our organizations to really uh, be just in many ways. But my passion is diversity, so I apply it to how we could be just honest and transparent when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Mm. And another book is more of the advice to individuals for how to get promoted. So Promotability Index by Amy Barnett Bond and uh, also just came out very interesting book just for individual people and not just in organizations where you're trying to climb a career ladder, but even for people who just want to make it on their own or be solopreneurs or entrepreneurs. There's a lot of things that uh, you need to do with your career that really overlap, how you make yourself visible, uh, how you establish yourself as an expert in the area, as a thought leader in the area. So excellent advice really for people who want to advance in um, whatever area. Awesome. And um, you kind of touched upon this a little earlier about your family, but who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Well, by huge margin is my grandmother. Mm. And um, (laughs) I previously mentioned my grandmother, she was illiterate. She was also probably the strongest person I can think of because um, she and her five children were uh, used during the Nazi advancements, uh, West, uh, East, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> advancement East, Tover, uh, were used in living shields. So, I mean, uh, they were in the minus 40 in the street with no clothes, no food, and she managed to keep all her five children alive. Wow. So whenever I'm going through whatever I'm going through, I'm just, okay, well, if she could do that, then whatever garbage I'm facing, I should be able to make it through. So that's that's just so big by a wide margin that I think I'm going to stop here. Awesome. And then finally, um, thinking about the whole span of your life, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point? Oh, my goodness. It's... It's the same thing, just going with your gut and trusting yourself more. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes I tend to overthink and just try to maybe overcomplicate things. 
sometimes you just really need to know, go with your gut and with what you are connecting because intuition can be wrong and sometimes it's good to kind of sit down and calculate your options but very often you have emotional connection with something and you have this emotional connection for a reason mm -hmm. trying to override your own emotion just doesn't pay and it's just never a good idea mm. and that's a really really good piece of advice to end on so thank you so much Ludmilla for taking the time to speak with me today it was lovely to get to know you and hear more about your story it's been fantastic thank you very much for this opportunity to have a conversation thank you bye-bye